Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here. Honor and a privilege. And my, oh, my, we have much to get into today, much to discuss. So Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the Supreme Court nominee to take over the RBG seat. And the libs are triggered, but there's very little that it seems they have been able to offer up so far as resistance. In fact, what I've seen mostly is that they complain, they whine about ACB being called ACB because it sounds like RBG and only only, you know, some uh, initials like that are allowed for someone as great as RBG. Right. So that's that's what they're saying. Don't call her ACB, which it's like they've never been to high school before. Don't they know that it's. ACB, Amy, Coney, Barrett, come on, right? If, if you're going to say don't call someone that because it annoys you, then people tend to say, well, now we're definitely going to call her that. And that's that's the way this is going to shake out. That's the that's the reality, I think, here. So as as for um, their attempts to undermine her, I mean, here you had CNN politics. The Supreme Court is on the verge of a historic transformation that could wind back the law. In America for decades. What does that even mean? Wind back the law. Notice how a court decision that goes in favor of what the libs want is settled always and forever. But everything else is up for discussion, right? You know, the law of the land uh, when it came to marriage was the same for a couple of hundred years. Then the, then the Supreme Court came along and said, no, it's different now. Right. So whether you agree or disagree with the ruling, I'm just saying things change, libs. The composition of the court changes. Maybe don't have people legislate from the bench and you won't have to worry so much about who sits on the Supreme Court, although I don't think they're going to change that mentality anytime soon. But with, with ACB, you have a brilliant, attractive, successful mother of seven, a devout Roman Catholic. She's got two adopted children from Haiti. She's a carpool mom, a patriot, a constitutionalist, and she's humble. And the left absolutely hates her, hates her, despises her. Well, they're, we know they're desperate because they're saying things that are just objectively, factually untrue. Perfect example of this would be Joe Biden himself, play clip one. Never before in our nation's history has the Supreme Court justice been nominated and installed while a presidential election is already underway. It defies every precedent, every expectation of a nation where the people, the people are sovereign and the rule of law reigns. But yesterday, before Justice Ginsburg could be laid to rest and after a hundred thousands of Americans had already cast their ballots, the president nominated a successor to her seat. It's no mystery about what's happening here. President Trump is trying to throw out the Affordable Care Act, and he's been trying to do it for the last four years. The Republican Party has been trying to eliminate it for a decade. Uh, everything that he said about how this is unprecedented is a lie. It's just not true. I mean, he, he can say it, but it's a lie. He can 
pretend that that's the, the, the reality as long as he wants, but it will not change history. There have been plenty of Supreme Court seats filled in an election year. Plenty of them. So it's not unprecedented at all. And when they say things like it's unprecedented or it's illegitimate, you should pay very close attention because it is precedented. And in what way is it illegitimate? It's as legitimate as it gets. This is what it says should be done in the Constitution. But there are absolutely um, desperate that much is for sure they're desperate at this point because what what do they have to go on here you know when you have a white male we know what the playbook is have someone from their past accuse them of rape i mean i really that's that's what they did with kavanaugh or attempted rape that's what they did with kavanaugh or gang rape actually using drugs to drug people that's what the third accuser of kavanaugh said So we know they have that as a plan. We know that's out of the playbook. Accuse somebody with no evidence, with with not even the substantiation necessary to prove that two people even ever met. Right. But with no evidence, accuse a white male of rape. And that becomes the um, that smear becomes the defense against that person being elevated in the Supreme Court. But what do they do with this person, this woman? They're saying, oh, she wasn't on the court long enough, only three years. Who wants to guess how long Elena Kagan was on the federal bench? Oh, that's right. She was a lawyer who had worked in policy for the Obama administration. Elevated to the Supreme Court. That's not going to work very well, is it? No, that, that's not going to. They're, they're trying all of these attacks just to see if they can get some, some leverage, get something here. And I think that they've, they've misunderstood, to borrow from Bush, they've misunderestimated. They've mis- this misunderstood the degree to which the right is unified on this. Because the smearing of Kavanaugh was the ugliest political attack many Americans have ever seen. And while it's hard to believe anything could sink lower than that, everyone has been assuming the Democrats will be even more grotesque when they go after Amy Coney Barrett. I've been thinking this will just be satanic, but how? And <clears throat> so far I've stumbled. I can't tell you that I even know. What it is they're planning to do. I, I, I can't come up with a war. Now, I'm not a, an evil sociopath like a lot of these Democrats are. So I, I don't I wouldn't expect that I'd be able to figure this out necessarily. But they've been trying to see if they could at least start to erode support for Amy Coney Barrett. And it's not going to work because the Kavanaugh moment was a moment of political awakening for a lot of conservatives. It was a moment of recognition of what the other side is willing to do. It injected conservative steroids into people's ideology, right? It made those of us who had thought politics is the art of the possible and trying to find the best compromise you can under the circumstances, turn those people into, I'm a wartime conservative, we have to win. Until the other side stops being crazy, we just have to keep winning until we get tired of it. And we're not tired of it yet. So they've tried these attacks against Amy Coney Barrett, uh, like the attack on her from numerous liberals. I was seeing this over the weekend. I'm not making this up. People were going after her for adopting two children from Haiti. Uh, There was a professor from Boston University, uh, Ibram Kendi. And he, he said that this was because she was a colonizer and then said a bunch of other horrible things 
about the creation of a family. I mean, adoption is such a beautiful thing. We all know that. It's about parents loving their children, building a family together. We should all celebrate it. Anyone who tries to undermine or attack adoption to score political points is pure scum. You got to remember that. You got to remember that in these days ahead. And you see this with what they've done to, to the Amy Coney Barrett nomination. They're trying to undermine her very her family and suggest there's something uh, off or even insidious about adopting about Amy Coney Barrett adopting two children from Haiti because she's effectively she's part of the this is part of the white oppressor narrative. That's what Ibram Kendi was saying, professor at Boston University, who's considered an expert on, on race. And he said some uh, some other more terrible things, too. Now, there are people who are calling for him to be um, to be fired. I, I doubt he will be. He accused her of using her two adopted Haitian children as props. Here you go. Here's the actual the actual quote. Some white colonizers adopted black children. They civilized these, quote, savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. Uh, that was the quote from Ibram Kendi. I mean, a, an absolutely horrifying thing to write, to think, to believe. As a professor at Boston University, folks, you, you can have your kids for the, for the pleasure of about spending $60,000 a year. You can have uh, this man teaching your children what to think about race relations. A disgusting thing and he wasn't the only one other people were saying that there was i actually had some blue checks come after me because i said adoption is beautiful all of a sudden adoption to the left is not beautiful they're willing to attack it cross-racial adoption you see is the problem as as they view it and it results from trauma and can often be very complicated and result in more trauma this is what the left was saying there was a whole chorus of blue checks over the weekend trying this but the american people for the most part those who aren't suffering from ACB derangement syndrome. They saw through it. They understood how appalling this was. How honestly just just evil it was. And so far they have nothing. They're going to attack her Catholic faith. They're going to attack her adoption of two Haitian children that she's raised as their mother and loved them and made them a part of her family. Uh, they're going to attack the, you know, attack her for being a, a traditional a traditional mother who raises children as well as a highly successful federal judge and lawyer and a great legal mind. All, all of this is going to be the opposition to her. But it's also weak and pathetic and stupid, isn't it? And it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. That's why I say, why have hearings? Why even go through this? Vote next week. Vote as soon as Mitch McConnell can get the, the Senate together and get it scheduled. Have the vote. Have her installed. No more games. It's not playtime. We got an election to focus on now, folks. Trump has made his nomination. Republicans have the votes. The Supreme Court seat should be filled. There's no question about that at this point. It should be filled and it should be filled before the election. Um, here's what the president said about his pick. Play 18. 
Amy Coney Barrett will decide cases based on the text of the Constitution as written. As Amy has said, being a judge takes courage. You are not there to decide cases as you may prefer. You are there to do your duty and to follow the law wherever it may take you. That is exactly what Judge Barrett will do on the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's exactly why the liberals hate her so much. That's why they oppose her, because she won't do what they want her to do, which is bow to left wing pressure and pretend things are in the law that are not pretend things are supported by the Constitution that are just not. Liberals have created an entire jurisprudence based on whim and desire, and that's very hard to defend. That's why intellectually there's an insecurity at the base of all of this. They know that they can't really argue, for example, that Roe v. Wade, the right to privacy. I mean, this is absurd. It's absurd. A lot of you, I know, would say it's evil as well. But they're used to this super legislator, and they've always had in the back of their mind that the Supreme Court would give them what they want when they couldn't get it through the Congress, and that may change. Which is why I can't see their pathway to destroying ACB or to derailing the nomination, but until it is official, until it is done, I'm not, I'm not counting on anything. That's why I want it to move. I don't want to give the left any chance to mount some kind of assault here. I don't want to give them an opportunity to pull some last-minute shenanigans. The Kavanaugh hearings were sailing through just fine, folks, and then they sprung the fake uh, sexual assault allegations on him, and then people were coming from all over the place to make up absurd allegations against the president. I mean, against uh, Kavanaugh, rather. Well, they make them against the president, too. That's why it has to be done before the nomination and uh, before the election, rather. And I think it has to be done as soon as possible. No Senate hearings. We, we don't need to have uh, Kamala Harris, who doesn't have one one thousandth of the legal understanding, expertise, skill or acumen that Amy Coney Barrett does. But we, we don't have to have her try to grandstand for all of us it, it doesn't doesn't do us any good doesn't help anyone except for the power mad democrats so why give them what they want president trump says it's going to get done i certainly hope he's right play 22 do you anticipate to have her confirmed before the election uh, i would like to i would say we have plenty of time just in case your next question would be well you know should you wait they wouldn't wait, number one. And importantly, we have a lot of time. You know, we also could go after. We have a tremendous amount of time. And it's been done many times before this way. You know, it's a, an election year. Um, no, I think we're going to have it done easily before the election. I think it would be nice to do, get it out of the way. It's so important, a decision. I think it's important. We, we're going to try to have it done quickly and before the election. But think of all the time. So then you have from that date, you have all the way to January 20th. So, I mean, who would not do this? They say, well, why don't you wait for the next? Well, elections have consequences and we won the election. We have the Senate. We have the presidency. So I think I think she'll be confirmed before uh, and, and probably long before the election, relatively long before the election. Let's hope so. But if we're going to learn from history, folks, we know do not delay. Do not give the Democrats an inch. Do not allow for any last minute acts of sabotage. Ram it through, ram it home, get it done, put ACB 
on the Supreme Court. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. Joe Biden didn't even last a day today. It uh, didn't even last an hour before, after the weekend, calling a lid on the campaign. Another one. Oh, I'm sure it's because he's doing all that debate prep. How much debate prep do we think this guy is really doing? Versus how much of what we hear going on here is actually about naps. Now, a lid, unless you are somebody who works uh, in journalism, this is what they call uh, this is what they call an, an, an end to official campaign activities for the day. So they put a lid on it. It's kind of like, all right, guys, that's it. You know, it's like they're calling the press conference over, so to speak. I mean, it's saying, all right, that's it. No more open stuff. No more coverage for all of you. We're calling a lid for the day. You know, it's like calling a wrap on a on a movie set, right? That's a wrap. You know, we're we're done with this thing. And yeah, Joe Biden calls a lot of lids his campaign, and they call them at nine forty in the morning, or whatever it was today. Very very early on, they're doing everything they can to try to drag this third tier C team political candidate. I mean, it really is amazing. You know, just go back and, and look at what, what Biden's chances were in 2008 when he was running. And you can see he was right there alongside uh, those great esteemed politicians, those political minds of our era, like Dennis Kucinich. I mean, he was a Dennis Kucinich level candidate in 2008. And, and now we're supposed to believe that he's the guy to lead the country. No, it's just Democrats have a very powerful apparatus. The Democrat Party is a very well, well-established machine, and they think they can mobilize enough of their, their forces behind this guy that they can carry him across the finish line and then figure out who's really going to be the president afterwards, because we all know it's not going to be this guy, right? I mean, they might go through the motions with him for 6, 12, maybe 18 months, but then... He's going to be a little too tired. And for personal reasons and health reasons, he's going to step aside. That's my guess. Maybe he makes it to the midterms, but I don't think he gets I don't think he gets beyond that. And I think that that's been the plan all along, really. He was initially saying he wasn't going to run for a second term, but then he realized that that was giving a lot of credibility to those who were saying, well, you're too old for this. If you, if you can't run for a second term because of age and infirmity, why would you run for a first? It's a big country. We got a lot of people. And that's what I want to remind everybody of with Biden. You've got to think what makes Biden better than any other Democrat politician other than the fact that he's just been in the game a really long time. In what way is he different? In what way is he inspirational or special? It's not. And you could have Nancy Pelosi running for president. You could have Chuck Schumer running for president. It'd be the same thing. You can get the same kind of presidency. In fact, I think Nancy and Chuck are both. I think they're well. Chuck is definitely smarter than Biden. Nancy versus Biden, uh, that's she, she's more shrewd than he is. She's more cunning. So I'll give her credit for that. Like I said, I give credit where it's due. But there's also the, the media trying to do everything they can to be sure that we don't uh, that we don't have, you know, too much truth coming out about Biden. Right? They're going after we're getting to the Trump tax returns a little bit. We're going after all that, and now we have something else that we have to look into for a second, which is that uh, the media would rather just 
ignore everything about Joe Biden that is unpleasant and hope that no one figures anything out, then do their jobs. Right? They'll, they'll go deep into Trump and they're going to just let, give Biden a pass. This happens in every election. I don't know, there's nothing new. You've seen this a million times. But here's a perfect example of, of a Bidenism that no politician who wasn't a Democrat and favored by the Democrat Party in a general election would ever get away with with the press corps. This is not a hard one. As you know, in response to the ACB situation, I'm only going to call her ACB from now on. Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, replacing RBG. Sorry, Libs. They could have had Ruth Bader Ginsburg step down during the Obama term, and quite honestly, she should have. She was in bad health. But no, they became a bunch of weird RBG cultists who would sit around talking about how she did this like sick kettlebell workout, man, and it was awesome, and it was weird. They, went, they got weird and made bad decisions. The public, the public was in favor, the Democrats uh, were, of keeping RBG around in the role she was in, and they rolled the dice, and they lost. That's it. It's as simple as that. They can say it's illegitimate. I saw who's the, the particularly dumb senator from New York, a Gillibrand. I saw her saying calling it an illegitimate process. She won't take part in. If you're going to say something's illegitimate, you should be able to explain why. She can't explain why this is illegitimate because it's not. She doesn't have an answer as to why we should consider this illegitimate because you can't point to anything. It's, in fact, constitutional. And clear as day that this should be completely acceptable. Right. So but of course, they want what they want and they don't really care about that. But but Biden, I love this. Biden gets away with something here that I hope the president hammers him on this point in the debates. And this debate, I, I do believe, is going to be the only way that you know, Hillary went into the last debate thinking she's so much smarter and more poised and more presidential and she could just be her, hello, she could just be her usual, uncharming self and everything would be fine. And I think that Trump was able to really get some good knocks in on her by just telling it like it is. Biden's going to go in there. He's going to be like your angry uncle at Thanksgiving who thinks he's the only person who's ever read a newspaper and is just going to be shouting over everybody. That's Biden's going to go full angry uncle. So get ready for that. Uh, but I hope that I hope that Trump pushes him on this issue specifically because the Democrats have been threatening openly. I mean, I mean, politicians, I mean, the people who run the party, they've been threatening to pack the courts because of the ACB situation. And that's, of course, norm busting. That's illegitimate. That's in violation of of existing rules and, and traditions and and principle. Um, but they don't care about any of that. But shouldn't Joe Biden, if his party is saying they want to do that shouldn't he have to answer the question well here's how biden responds play 15 have you ruled out expanding the supreme court as president under any circumstances whatsoever i am not and i i i know you're going to be upset with my answer but what i'm not going to do is play the trump game which is a good game he plays take your eye off the issue before us if i were to say yes or no to that that becomes a big issue. That's the headline here. Yeah, because it's a big issue. So answer the question, you dumbass. Is is are you going to you know are you going to pack the Supreme Court or not? 
And it's very straightforward. Are you going to support adding judges to the Supreme Court, changing the balance of that judicial body to suit your political whims? Yes or no? You know, he won't say no because that will upset his base. But if he says yes, we all understand that there, there are complaints about norms and all this other crap are complete nonsense. Nobody else would be allowed to get away with this. Well, I'm not going to focus on that thing, you know. Uh, the, the most classic, evasive, slimy politician answer imaginable. I'm not going to play his game. You know, this is like what you say to your wife when she catches you and you smell like booze and cigarettes. You said you're at the office late and, you know, uh, clearly you're out playing poker with the guys at the, the local whatever. And, you know, you come home and she, you know, she says, you know, I can smell the booze and cigarettes. Are you? I'm not going to play that game, honey. I'm going to bed. You know, what does that even mean? It means you're avoiding the avoiding the subject. You're avoiding what actually happened, which is exactly what Joe Biden's doing here. And he's going to do a lot more of that, too. He's supposed to be a traditional, safe, trusted Democrat face for a party that is now far left and full of socialists and full of identity demagogues, identity politics demagogues, and full of people that believe in critical race theory and uh, are, are authoritarians and believe that the word existen- or the words existential threat should be used in connection to climate change constantly, right? These people are nuts. That's Joe Biden's party, I and mean, that's his base. Now, those are now common, that, those are widespread beliefs among Democrats, and Biden has to represent that party. And so you, you'd ask the very obvious question, well, Hold on a second. Um, Why is it that Joe Biden is representing that party but won't answer questions that go directly to what he would do in order to deliver to the left wing base? And it's because this is a fraud. This is a fake. He can't tell you what his party really wants because they're trying to convince voters in Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania and about five or six other states that the Democrat Party isn't what it really is. That's what's happening right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Senator Ted Cruz is in the house from the great state of Texas. You all know him very well. He's got a new book out, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. Senator Cruz, great to have you on. Thanks so much. Buck, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. We've got a huge Supreme Court vacancy to be filled atop a very contentious election. What is it that you see? I mean, you've obviously written this book about the one seat here and how it can make such a difference. What's some of the the backstory, the history that people should know about why the elevation of ACB would be so momentous? Well, the Supreme Court really is is the arbiter and at the crossroads of, of all our constitutional liberties. Uh, the book that I have out that is coming out this week is just released, um, focuses on uh, our constitutional rights. And each chapter in the book focuses on a different constitutional liberty. But before I was in the Senate, I was a Supreme Court litigator. So that's what I did for a living is argue cases in front of the Supreme Court. And, and so there's one chapter on free speech. There's one chapter on religious liberty. There's one chapter on the Second Amendment. Uh, There's one chapter on U.S. sovereignty. Uh, There's one chapter on elections and democracy 
and it goes into Bush versus Gore, which I was part of the legal team representing George W. Bush. And, and it was obviously a contested election, which we could see a reprise of it this year with this election. And, and what I do in the book is, is every chapter tells really the inside story, the backstory behind landmark cases at the court, behind the biggest cases of the court, many of which I helped litigate. And, and so it, 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 it takes you behind to understand, okay, what are the issues the court have, has in front of them? Why does it matter to me? Who are the justices? It tells a lot of inside stories about the justices, about the litigants. Uh, and it's designed so that you don't have to be a lawyer to understand or appreciate the, the book. It, it, it's designed to help you uh, understand how on free speech or religious liberty or all these issues that, that, that the landmark cases are almost all 5-4, that, that we have four justices ready to take away our fundamental liberties and one vacancy can make an enormous difference, positive or negative. Is Amy Coney Barrett the best possible choice to fill the open Supreme Court seat now in your estimation? I think she's a very strong choice. Uh, you, you look at her record, um, she, she has impeccable credentials. Uh, she graduated number one in a class from Notre Dame Law School. She was a law clerk uh, to Justice Antonin Scalia, the great Justice Scalia. She spent 20 years as a law professor at Notre Dame. She is now one of the most respected federal appellate judges in the country. Uh, and, and I think the president in making this nomination was following through on his promise to the American people to nominate constitutionalists and to nominate judges in the mold of Scalia or Thomas. And, and I think the Senate we will confirm Judge Barrett, I believe, and we will do so before Election Day. I'm leading the fight in the Senate to make that happen. And I think when we do so, we will be delivering on our promise to confirm strong, principled constitutionalists who will defend the Bill of Rights. We're speaking to Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. His new book comes out this week, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. Senator Cruz, is there a mechanism, a procedural trick, anything that concerns you that your Democrat colleagues in the Senate uh, may try to pull at this stage? Is, is there anything we need to be aware of? Because the shrill hysterics around the alleged illegitimacy of this uh, of this nomination seem to seem to show us that they'll just say things that are flatly untrue. So people are worried about whether they're willing to do things that are flatly unprincipled. Yeah, look, I, I think that's right. I think even before this vacancy, the Democrats and the hard left, they were losing their minds. Uh, they hate President Trump with, with an all-consuming rage. And, and once this vacancy occurred, to, to, to quote the movie Spinal Tap, suddenly it went to 11. I mean, I mean they are beside themselves. Uh, we will begin hearings on, on Judge Barrett uh, on October 12th, and, and, and I fully expect Democrats to light their hair on fire, to do everything they can to turn it into a, a, a circus, um, likely every bit as disgracefully as they did with Justice Kavanaugh, where they went after him personally, they smeared him, they slimed his family. Um, I, I think they, if they can, they will try to do the same thing to Judge Barrett. We saw some of this when, when she was nominated to the Court of Appeals, where, where they attacked her and demonized her because of her faith. She's a, a Catholic, 
And, and uh, Senator Feinstein put it this way uh, about Judge Barrett. She said, the dogma lives loudly in this one. And, and the position of a lot of Democrats seem to be that if you're a person of faith, if you're Catholic, if you're evangelical, that, that, that you cannot serve as a judge and you can't serve in, in any public office. Now, of course, the Constitution prohibits a religious test for any public office, but, but today's Democrats um, ha- have a real deep antipathy and animosity for people of faith. That being said, I think they will try every antic they, that they can, including Pelosi is threatening possibly trying to impeach the president again. And if Democrats all stand together in the House, they could vote out articles of impeachment again. Even if they do that, it's not going to prevent this confirmation. If they engage in such a wildly partisan stunt, uh, I'm confident we have the votes in, in the Senate to, to disregard their, their, their partisan antics and to deliver on our constitutional responsibility to confirm this justice. How concerned are you, Senator, about uh, the possibility of either a Biden administration, heaven forbid from my perspective, but it could happen, or whomever the next Democrat president may be, and there will be one at some point, we know that much, uh, packing the court? This gets a lot of discussion now because Democrats are openly threatening to do that. Is that a realistic threat from your perspective? Uh, Unfortunately, I think it is. Um, Today's Democratic Party has really been radicalized, where there were a lot of positions that even a few years ago they would never have embraced. Um, A few years ago, most Democrats said they weren't socialists. Now just about all of them agree with Bernie Sanders and AOC, and that's who's sending their agenda. Uh, Even a few months ago, most Democrats would have laughed at the prospect of abolishing or defunding the police. Now, that is the mainstream position of today's Democratic Party. And when it comes to packing the court, so so a Democratic president has tried that before. FDR tried that. Uh, And even though he had massive Democratic majorities in both houses of Congress, his own party resisted him. His own party said, no, we're not going to politicize the court. What's changed, unfortunately, is is I don't think the Democrats would resist a Joe Biden. Certainly a Chuck Schumer or a Nancy Pelosi is not going to resist a Joe Biden. When it comes to packing the court, they've threatened to take the court from nine justices to to 11 to 13. Who knows how many they would they would put up there. And it really it underscores the stakes of this election, that that it is critically important that President Trump be reelected. I'm fighting hard for him to be reelected. It's critically important that we maintain a Republican majority in the Senate and that we retake the House. Uh, because if, God forbid, we wake up in January and it is Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, I think they'll do more damage in two years than Barack Obama did Nate. And would the filibuster also be one of those casualties, in, in, your, in your opinion, based upon that scenario you just gave us? Uh, I, I do believe it would. I, I think every Democrat would end the filibuster, which means if they have a narrow Senate majority, the filibuster, which is the, the, the most potent tool to stop uh, to, to, to stop whoever has the Senate majority from just running over the minority, I, I believe the Democrats would, would eliminate the filibuster. Um, and, and I don't think there's any dissension on their party. I, I think they would act early on to try to cement their majority. So one of the things I think they would do also is expand the United States and add two new states, add the District of Columbia and add Puerto Rico. And the reason they would do that is Democrats believe those two places would elect 
four new Democratic senators. So if we started January of 2021 with 50 Democrats and the vice president, we could end 2021 with 54 Democratic senators. And I think they will they will try to institutionalize their power because the, the, right now the zealots, the extreme is who's driving driving the Democratic Party. One vote away, how a single Supreme Court seat can change history is the book out this week from Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, always good to see you, sir. Thank you for uh, dropping by and talking to us. Buck, thank you for having us. Let me encourage folks to go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to OneVoteAway.com. You can order the book right now. It'll help you understand what's happening at the court and how our fundamental liberties are all hanging by a single vote. And, and so please, please go buy the vote, uh, book. I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. They got his taxes, everybody. Almost certainly through illegal means, because taxes are protected documents. But New York Times, big story on Sunday. Oh, look at Trump's taxes. We went through them. We talked to sources with knowledge of them. Yada, yada, yada. And the big takeaways are supposed to be that Trump in one year paid $750 total in income taxes that he did big write offs for losses over many, many years and uh, that he has some large liabilities, financial liabilities, but also has a lot of assets and a lot of income streams. And they just went they just went deep diving into his finances. And their takeaway from this, of course, is that it's. An enormous bombshell, huge story. Oh, my gosh. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Brad Stouter over at CNN is like, it's like super important. Play three. Obviously, this has the potential to change the race. How explosive is this? Americans are already voting in some states, and most Americans' minds are already made up. But, Anna, this is one of the most important stories in the past five years. Not one of the most important stories of this year, but one of the most important stories of the past five years. Because as a candidate, Donald Trump fought hard to shield his tax returns. And as president, he has fought even harder to shield his tax returns from public scrutiny. So this is the kind of information that we are going to be hearing about for days and weeks to come and including on the debate stage in front of 60 70 80 million people on tuesday night two things that democrats just really don't understand about the right and republicans right now number one is that what they did to kavanaugh was like injecting political steroids into millions of conservatives i've said that before it's important and that's why they they're a little bit caught off guard here with the whole Amy Coney Barrett thing. Uh, we want this done. There's no moderation. There's no uh, let's let's sit down with the other side and have a nice, long, sweet talk about this thing. No, we have the votes. Let's get it done. No ifs, ands, or buts. No slowdowns. No games. And the other thing that the Democrats don't really understand about the right is that we're at a point and have been for a while where we just laugh at their bombshell walls closing in on Trump stories. I mean, they're hilarious, dumb and worthless. And this was supposed to be their big thing for years, for years. You have had journos acting like this was the holy grail of of investigative reporting. If they could just find the Trump tax returns. Well, I'm glad that The New York Times finally released this big story on Trump's taxes, so we can all confirm there's nothing there. 
And journos who've been talking for years about walls closing in on Trump because of his taxes are total morons. Glad we've established this. I'm glad we have an understanding that this is what's actually going on. Um, now what are they going to say? Because here's the problem. There's nothing illegal in there. There's no, and the New York Times actually says we didn't find any covert connection to Russia and the tax returns. I mean, as if any intelligent person would believe that that was going to happen. Remember, the federal government has had these tax returns all along. And they're already auditing the president because of some of the very large deductions he's taken, which is understandable. Look, if you take very large deductions, that's going to get flagged and the IRS is going to dig into that. And that's understandable. But there's nothing here. There is nothing here. And so other than, yeah, the president has had very large income streams and very large losses in different businesses and has taken these these write offs uh, that, that you're allowed to do as a business owner, as somebody that's that's involved in on the corporate side, the ownership side of corporate America. And so that has offset his taxes a lot. I mean, it, almost entirely in, in, in many years. But this is legal. And a lot of us look at this and say, I pay the abs. I'm going to tell you this right now. I pay the absolute bare minimum taxes that I can legally get away with where I don't feel like I'd be in a position where if somebody called me out on something, I would say, I would say, uh, oh, you got me. I'd say, no, this is why I took this deduction. It was a good faith deduction. Right. And I, I take the absolute. I'm always looking. I talk to I've got an accountant. Oh, he just retired. But I've got an accountant and, I, you know, I, I try to go through things with him and, and I want to take the max because the government takes too much money for me. And I don't make a lot of money. I'm not like some of these other. Radio hosts that have uh, you know lots and lots of houses and stuff like that. I don't have a house. Yet. Well, I own one house, but um, it, it's not something that I think anybody should be ashamed of, should feel sheepish about. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You take the deductions you can and you work within the tax code that is mandated for you. You know, if, if I had the option to just pay a flat tax every year, 15 percent, I would do that. But I don't. But I don't. So they're trying to make this into a big story. And part of that is just now wild speculation about how, you see, there's nothing in there that makes anybody worried about uh, Trump or his taxes. But it's what they're saying now is that it's what's not in the tax returns that's so damning. We need more investigation of Trump's finances. And this is the liberals being dishonest loons because Trump wasn't withholding his tax returns to hide Russia ties. And now they want to move on to the next conspiracy uh, of the resistance, the hashtag resistance. Here, here's a Yamiche Alcindor, I think is a PBS correspondent, you know, battles with Trump in the press conferences. And and she's taken this. This is now one of the new conspiracies you'll hear that the only reason Trump is running is because if he doesn't win, he's going to go to prison over his taxes. Play four. I think that the line in this New York Times story that really underscores what this all means, mm-hmm. um, apart from, of course, what you say is the the the, the evading and the possible um, breaking of laws. They said ultimately President Trump might be better and more successful playing a media mogul than actually being one. That sentence stopped me dead in my tracks because what it tells us is that he has sold this idea of himself as this businessman, as a successful person. There are critics of President Trump who have said for a long time that he was fighting so hard to be 
reelected, not only because he wants to be reelected, but also because he's worried that if he's not reelected, he could actually face jail time and be carried off um, like a lot of his personal associates, including his personal lawyer, the, his former campaign manager, and so on and so on. So I think this story is a bombshell and it's a blockbuster. It's not a bombshell or a blockbuster unless you're somebody who thinks that all the other stories about Trump that have come out from the media in recent years, including all the Russia collusion uh, hoax bombshells, really had some impact and people paid attention to who, who weren't already Trump haters. And I think it's interesting that they note here that that it is noted in this discussion that we'll look at some of the other people around the president. They've ended up going off to prison. Right. Because they worked with the president and because they came under tremendous scrutiny from the federal government. And yes, they were, you know, in the case of Michael Cohen, scummy people. But they only went after them because of their association with Trump. So if they could get Trump, don't you think they would have already? If they had something on him, don't you think we would have heard about it? I've been telling you for years that what you'll find is a president, uh, you know, has taken big deductions and might not have as much liquid liquid wealth as you know he said i think he said he's worth nine billion dollars or something like that i mean i that depends on how you value his brand i i can tell you this much if he just did a fire sale of everything i don't think the president would have nine billion dollars but he'd probably have a, a billion or two and guess what he's got a lot more experience and knowledge of the of the business world of economics and of how to make things work than joe biden does Somehow, you know, he's the ultimately you look at the results. He's the president. And a lot of these other people that are sitting around talking about how he's so bad at business. He's the president and he flies around in a jet that he owns to incredible properties that he owns and is world famous and has a brand that's allowed his children and his children's children to be very, very wealthy and well known. But we're all going to pretend like what? He's a big loser. Is that is that what the story is now? He's not really good. He's not good at business. He's not good at these things. Is he also not good at politics because he came in and roundhouse kicked the Democrat establishment in the face and knocked it out? So is it? Well, what really is the case? He's not cheating on his taxes. He's not good at business. No, it's just all these different variations of why Trump is so bad. It's, this is just orange man bad. The taxes chapter, the same thing. It was boring. I read the whole piece, the New York Times piece yesterday when it came out, and I was looking for something that was going to really go, oh, that, that doesn't look good. All right. So some of the businesses lose money. Some of them make money. The tax code is written so that people are willing to take risks and build things that then employ people and that pay Social Security and Medicare taxes and all that. You know, we're just talking about income tax to Trump personally. There's a lot of taxations going on. There's taxes on every hamburger sold in the Trump Hotel. Trust me, I know they're expensive. There's a lot going on here. But all they want to do is tear them down. And so they're they're convinced before they even see the taxes that the walls are closing in and this is the end for Trump. No, it's not. It's really pathetic. It's unsettling how crazy these people are. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. 
$750. That hurts. That does resonate. So, and it's also, you know, four years ago, we talked about being able to avoid paying taxes legally, avoid, you know, dealing with the tax laws, being so brilliant that right. you could figure out how to pay, you know, a lower tax rate. But this is not just avoiding. What, what, what is being seen in this reporting is avoiding, evading, Perhaps robbing and cheating. We'll see. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, look good. Again, it's one thing. Amazon so, pays zero in taxes. That's a real problem. We have to reform our tax code. Sure. It's broken. And yet every time we try to reform the tax code, the libs go, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want to make it all easy and one page and very straightforward because the rich libs want to keep all their deductions and their... But they want to pretend like they think that paying taxes is patriotic. But they don't want to pay taxes. They want you to pay taxes. That's the whole game. That's that's the the entire con, as you see it here. Perhaps robbing and cheating, Mika Brzezinski says. Um, no, that would then mean that he's given to the IRS the means to actually go after him criminally, uh, which is not what's happening here. Anyone who looks at this and any expert worthy of the of the of the term who sees what's in this. Remember, this is not even it's not like they published the tax returns. This is the New York Times. And the president says that they're all full of crap. I mean, he might be a little bit, um, he might be, you know, a little excessive in saying they're totally full of crap. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they probably have someone who leaked the tax returns to him. Okay. I don't think they're completely making this up wholesale. Uh, but he's saying it's, it's garbage. We can't know how much of it is garbage, but there's nothing in here that's a problem. It, it's also uh, boring, right? It's also who cares. What are, what do they want? In, in what world? Let's take this, uh, take a different approach to this. What would have to be in those tax returns for them to not attack Donald Trump on his tax returns? Well, let's take an example. Uh, Mitt Romney, the Democrats, as you know, Harry Reid famously said on the floor of the Senate, so he could not be in any way uh, legally liable for this. He said Mitt Romney hadn't paid taxes in 10 years. That was a lie. Mitt Romney paid a lot of taxes. I mean, say what you will about the guy, and I've said a lot. He is rich, and he did make a lot of money. Uh, but Mitt Romney was paying taxes. That was a comp- and, and then later on, when Harry Reid was asked about this, his response was, well, he didn't win, did he? It's just a slime, smear. That's all it was. Character assassination. And that was Mitt Romney, who I think is a very by-the-book, by-the-letter kind of guy. I mean, he's sort of a grown-up hall monitor type. And, and he even found himself attacked on taxes. You know, John Kerry in 2004 paid something like 11% or some just pitiful tax rate on unearned income, on effectively passive income of of the assets that his wife owns. His wife married a very wealthy man, and then John Kerry married her. So, you know, he paid very, very low taxes. So when he's, you know, taking the million dollar yacht to the multi-million dollar house in the vineyards leaving the multi-million dollar mansion on beacon hill in boston i mean not paying a lot of taxes i think john Kerry also even moved his boat anchorage so that he could pay less taxes i mean one thing you'll find is that even very wealthy people people that have no no realistic concern about ever running out of money or not being able to live a very fancy lifestyle even very wealthy people can be very cheap I've seen this a lot. In fact, some of the richest people that I know are fixated on money. But 
maybe that's a conversation for another time. I, I just think that this this story on the Trump taxes, it's boring and nobody cares. And they can try to pretend that everybody cares, but ultimately it's boring and nobody really cares. Except for the journos who have been chomping at the bit for years on this thing. And all along I've been saying, guys, the IRS already has it. You, you who listen to the show know I've ne- I was never, never worried about Trump's taxes and what it would mean for him. Because I'm like, the IRS already has it. They already have the taxes. So what are we even talking about here? What, he's going to have a handwritten note from Putin? Oh, it's very good that Trump is giving me all the things I need for uh, stealing election. One million dollar Trump wrote a check. No, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think the president had some note. Dear, dear Trump, is lad, I love you. Big smoochy smoochy, here a billion dollars. I don't think that that's a thing. Although maybe we should make it a thing. It'd be kind of a fun sketch. But, 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 Trumpy, I miss you. Come back for snuggles with Vlad, right? Like, that wasn't going to exist. That wasn't going to be a thing that actually happened, but they believed for some reason, or they convinced themselves that it, that it was going to happen. It's really pretty stunning. Um, by the way, speaking of rich people who don't care about other people but pretend to, Pelosi, who is really my favorite example of that, uh, is saying that now, now she is hoping for another Another COVID stimulus bill. Oh, so you mean she wants to demagogue the issue for the weeks leading up to the election because the Republicans wanted money to go out to people who are unemployed because of government policy. Pelosi's not okay with that. Not enough money, she says. She's going to get you more. So just keep waiting. Watch your bank account get drained down. Watch your business get closer and closer to forever closure. And but Nancy wants you to know that she's going to do something for you. Probably after the election, though, right? Because this isn't political. No, Nancy's never doing that. Play eight. I'm sorry. Play uh, nine. I have been willing to come below $3.4 trillion. We have come all the way down. So I don't know why the press decides that this equivalent for me to come down further while they're not going up any further. So we are having our conversations. Uh, when I have a conversation uh, with the administration, it is in good faith. I trust uh, Secretary Mnuchin to uh, represent uh, something that can reach a solution, and I believe we can come to an agreement. Uh, however, at some point, uh, the public is going to have to see why 2.2 or now 2.4, perhaps, trillion dollars is necessary because the, because the president's uh, denial of the virus and just resistance to doing anything to crush it has made uh, matters worse in so many ways. The president's denial of the virus and resistance to do anything to crush it. it these, they'll say anything, folks. They'll say anything. It's just delusional nonsense. But orange man bad. As long as orange man bad, whatever they say is fine. Like angry little children. Orange man bad. Uh, Nancy here just just blathering on. You know, the Nancy Pelosi school of negotiation is like there's there's, you know, there's 10 trillion that we want. And you're saying that that's too high. So, okay, let's make it nine trillion. Right. I mean, no, wait, hold on. You're asking for too much money. If you're outrageous with the demands, it doesn't matter if you come down a little bit from your outrageous demand, right? If I, if I showed up, if, if your house is worth that, let's say your house is worth 
and I show up and I say, all right, I'm making an offer on your house. I'm going to offer you $50,000. And you say, no, Buck, that's absurd. And they say, okay, 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 $75,000 I offer you for your house. I mean, you'd probably want to throw something at me and you'd be right to, right? But then if I was like, well, but I'm coming up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making you, you know, that's what Nancy's doing here with the COVID stimulus thing. And people are suffering, but she doesn't care. 